Welcome to Food Navigator USA's Soup to Nuts podcast with Elizabeth Crawford, where I dish with trendsetters, tastemakers, and industry experts about everything from emerging trends to marketing strategies to regulatory pressures. Transparency into how products are made, what's in them, and how they impact society is no longer, quote, nice to have. Rather, a new report from the Food Marketing Institute showed that it's a must-have for most consumers, many of whom say they'll walk away from a brand that doesn't share sufficient information. In FMI's recently published report, The Transparency Imperative, three-quarters of shoppers surveyed said they're more likely to switch to a brand that provides more in-depth product information beyond just what's on the packaging and required by law. This is nearly double the 39% who said the same thing just two years ago. But what exactly are consumers looking for from brands? And how does that change based on their age and life stage? How do diet trends and increased health and wellness awareness factor into consumer evaluations of transparency? What's the influence of e-commerce on transparency demands? And why exactly should industry care and go to all the extra trouble to meet consumer demand around increased transparency? To find out, we talked with FMI Vice President of Industry Relations, Doug Baker, who in this episode of Food Navigator USA's Soup to Nuts podcast also shares advice for meeting consumers' transparency demands and keeping up with their changing whims. According to FMI's report, more than 90% of consumers say it's important for brands and manufacturers to share details about what's in food and how it's made. At the same time, two-thirds of shoppers say they are confused by product labels and ingredient lists. This disjoint is creating an opportunity for brands to win over consumers by improving their transparency. A, a typical consumer with you know, just typical needs um, what's provided on pack is typically, to use the word multiple times, is enough. It's, it's when I all of a sudden have something that I need to be focused on, uh, whether it be a child, my health, um, I now am more socially aware, I learned something, and now I have, I have um, an issue with that or a concern with that, or I want to change the way I purchase from my lifestyle because of what I've learned. That's when they start getting some confusion. And it's, it's confusion because they're just trying to educate themselves. And so they're looking for that information wherever they can find it. And unfortunately, there's information coming from everywhere. So, okay, now, which one do I believe? Which one is the right one? Um, and that's, that creates a little bit of confusion. So, again, going back to the fact of the industry sort of taking control or wanting to own the narrative, and provide the information so there is a single source of the truth is hopefully going to help start eliminating some of that confusion. Companies that rise to this challenge and help clarify for consumers what's in their products and how they're made, as well as what benefits they offer, will be rewarded. According to FMI's research, 78% of shoppers say they're more likely to buy food products that provide more in-depth product information and 80% agree that they're more likely to be loyal to a brand that provides more in-depth information beyond just the physical label. In addition, the research found more than half of shoppers said they'd pay more for a product that offers more in-depth info. This, of course, cuts both ways, with 69% of shoppers saying they would be less likely to buy a food product if it was not transparent about what its ingredients were, 
consumers are really starting to to reward brands with their wallets. You know, if you're investing in me, I'm going to invest in you. And and that's that's significant. And it's also an opportunity. So if you're not transparent, you choose to do it at your own peril. What exactly do consumers mean when they say they want companies to be, quote, transparent? And what information is most important to them? Although there's a definition of transparency from a consumer mindset, it's very personal, right? So there's, there's, if you put 10 people in front of you and you ask them what's your definition of transparency, you could get eight different responses of the 10. Um, and that's really about what is it that you want the information to provide you? You know, what's important to you at the time about the information you're looking for? If, if I'm uh, really focused on social awareness, you know, I want to understand, uh, you know, how those uh, broilers were raised. Or I want to, if I'm focused on nutrition, I want to understand what the impact of sodium is in my diet. Um, uh, I need to understand, you know, it's a, it's a, a big, scary scientific ingredient, um, you know, and I need to understand what that is. I'm trying to educate myself, right? So transparency comes in many shades and colors and sizes, and, and each, each um, consumer is defining that. Um, and that does change, and we also see that that changes as you move through your life. The things that you want to understand change. So if you're a single individual, you might uh, be very focused on social awareness. As you have uh, a family and you have children, you might, that still might be important to you, but now nutrition becomes even more important to you because you're now raising a young child in your home and you want to make sure that you provide for it uh, the most nutritious food you can. As you move into your boomer and your Gen X years, it's about your self-health and how can you um, have, a, have a, happy, uh, a healthy life, live longer, more active, right? So that, that's, the, that's sort of been the, the moving target um, and, it, and the good thing is, is that you, as an individual, you move through that life cycle as you get older and move through your life cycle. What I found really interesting was um, how important transparency was to the different uh, generations. Uh, we, we believe and we understand that millennials sort of drove this uh, early on, um, but boomers and Gen Xers actually uh, rank a little bit higher in the importance of transparency and it's what they're being transparent about is where then the difference uh, comes into play between boomers and Gen Xers and millennials. Uh, so millennials are really about social transparency, whereas boomers and Gen Xers are really more about transparency around ingredients and nutrition, um, which you know starts to make some sense as you as you age. Your health, um, you know, becomes more of a, a focal point for you when you're younger and you're. You're, you're invincible, right? Um, but then it's about the social aspect that millennials have a real strong attachment to, to transparency. So that was sort of interesting to me. Um, and that there wasn't a big gap. Um, you know, it was 67% of millennials and 73% for boomers. So, you know, everybody is really sort of in this game of wanting to know more about the food that they use and consume. And it's just what are those triggers that force them or want them to get into that transparency discussion. Regardless of generation and life stage, most consumers agree that the most important element of being transparent is providing a complete list of ingredients. 
Coming in a close second, though, according to the report, is explaining those ingredients in plain English. The report also found that a third of consumers want information about how products are produced and how ingredients are sourced. They also want to know if there's allergens. Slightly fewer at 29% want to see certifications and claims. In particular, 26% want to see value-based information such as animal welfare, and 20% want to know about sustainability practices. Rising awareness about health and wellness and the role that diet plays in the overall well-being of a person also is influencing consumer demand for and perceptions about transparency. This transparency uh, desire for certain generations comes with a life event. And, you know, when you learn about um, you either have to stop eating gluten or you need to reduce your sodium because you have hypertension, whatever that element is, or you have a new child, you immediately find your laptop or your desktop or even your mobile phone in a Wi-Fi setting is your, your go-to location to start researching that topic to get a little bit more aware and a level of comfort, right? There's some anxiety around the fact that you now have to change your lifestyle. And so you're looking for information. According to FMI's report, about half of American households have someone who's dieting or trying to manage their health through diet. And a third of those homes have someone who's managing allergies, intolerances, or sensitivities. These shoppers also are more likely than others to spend more on groceries averaging about $136. And while we already mentioned it, it's worth saying again that consumers are more willing to direct this money towards brands that help them manage their needs by providing more information. According to FMI, these consumers also are much more likely to shop online, in addition to brick-and-mortar stores, creating multiple touch points for brands to provide additional information. Baker also notes that while online grocery stopping is still relatively small, it's gaining traction quickly among all consumers, and thus should be considered when brands and retailers develop their information-sharing game plans. Um, we're a little bit closer to 3% of, of, of total sales on average is easy commerce uh, based and it's, it's going to con- continue to grow. As retailers, more retailers get involved in the e-commerce um, game, right? So, the more availability is, the more access there is, and the more people that take advantage of it. So that's that's the low-hanging fruit. Um, and then, as consumers start to feel more comfortable, it's also again another trust level. I'm allowing somebody else to pick out the food that I'm going to give to my family, and so I need to have a level of trust that I'm going to get what it is that I want every time I want it. Right? So they're building that trust, which is then also going to help that, that ball roll downhill a little bit faster. And, you know, you take then the fact that once they start doing it and they start to understand the ability to, to also understand more about the product while they're online, that also then starts meeting a need. So the more their needs are met, the consumer's needs are met through a specific platform, they'll start using it more. The good thing is, is that in our trends report, we also found that online shoppers, they're still spending more money in grocery stores than they were a year before. So just because they're online and they're e-commerce doesn't mean they're walking away from brick and mortar. It's just meeting a need when they need that need met. With consumers shopping across multiple channels, it becomes more important 
brands and retailers provide the information they want across those platforms so that they can access it anytime, anywhere. For a consumer, the easiest place for them to focus is on pack or at shelf. Uh, that is, um, and in the research shows, that's the preferred area. But then there's also this opportunity from a secondary way of communicating is going beyond the label and, um, you know, which really sort of lends itself into the, the industry voluntary initiative with smart label is that you can't fit everything on a package and you can't fit everything at the shelf. We have a lot of technology out there that is putting shelf edge uh, communication technology, digital communication at the shelf, and that's really helpful. Um, but if I'm not able to see it on the pack and I'm not able to see it at the shelf, then it's that go to that next level of, you know, how do you, how can you talk to me about this digitally? Someplace that I can go and look online and, you know, many, many, and, and again, the gap wasn't really big from boomers to Gen Xers to millennials. They really love to have access through their smartphones, you know, so it's, it's real time. It's wherever they are, uh, whatever aisle they're in and, Whatever product they're looking at, they can get it. They can get that information. With our Smart Label initiative, we do find that a lot of shoppers are already uh, they're either researching pre-shop or post-shop, um, and they're doing that through their desktops or even through their mobile, but in a Wi-Fi setting. Uh, the retailers are trying to respond to that really quickly and provide Wi-Fi access to consumers on the aisle. And, and that is a really big initiative and plays directly into, um, you know, our, our upcoming BE regulations is ensuring the consumers have access to that information when they're in store and aisle. So that's going to continue to improve. Um, so those days of you not being able to look uh, at some information in aisle, that's going to quickly go away. As this happens, Baker says he expects more brands and retailers to join Smart Label making it even more of a go-to for consumers. So we are actually now just shy of 34,000 uh, pages or SKUs that are actually available on smartlabel.org. Uh, we uh, plan to be uh, darn near close to 40,000 by the end of the year, uh, 50,000 by the end of next year. So the adoption is growing quickly. Retailer brands, private brands are starting to come on, which is going to drive that number north uh, even faster because Many retailers, you know, their private brand portfolios range anywhere from five to 35,000 SKUs. So as you continue to add those, um, it's going to grow uh, exponentially. Um, it's, it's, we've done a consumer outreach campaign. We're now getting ready to kick off in a retailer associate campaign so that when uh, consumers are in the aisle and they're learning about Smart Label for the first time, the retail associate in the store from the person stocking tomatoes to putting cans on the shelf to bagging your groceries at the front register can at least give you some sort of idea and point you in the right direction to utilize the resource. Jumping on board with Smart Label is not a decision to be taken lightly because as Baker warrants, it can be resource intensive up front. Um, so it is a big lift to execute Smart Label for a brand. There's a lot of SKUs to touch and a lot of packages to touch. And at the same time of doing this, they, they want to make sure that they remain cost efficient so that, that those costs don't get transferred onto the consumer. So there are other ways. You can download the Smart Label app, and that app today both, reads both QR codes and UPC barcodes. So if 
if you don't see um, a QR code on a package, but you know that product is actually on smartlabel.org because you've been on the desktop and you've been reviewing it, you can scan the UPC barcode with your Smart Label app and it will deliver you to that landing page as well. So we've really tried to keep the path to get the information as flexible as possible. Um, but we do believe that there's, um, there's a preferred method and we, and we think uh, the QR code, which is what we call a 2D barcode, is going to be the preferred method moving forward. It's all around us. Um, you, can, you, know, you can't get on a plane with, with your digital phone without a QR code. Um, you know, so you're scanning that at the ticket booth. You, the national monuments here, you can scan them to learn more. So it's, it's becoming more and more prevalent in our society. And it, and it carries a lot of information technologically. So uh, we see that as the long-term solution, but we didn't want to limit those solutions in the, uh, in the early stages as brands got up to speed. Folks think of Smart Label as a big database in the sky, and it's really not. Each brand owns their own data. And so how you deliver that data to the smartlabel.org uh, and to a Smart Label page is through an API. Uh, for the consumer, it's seamless. It's, it, they don't see that happening. Um, but what it allowed the industry do, to do is to allow the brand owners to own the information and, and update it real time so it's more accurate, more efficient, uh, more streamlined. Some brands, if uh, I Coca-Cola as an example, they have Coca-Cola Facts um, uh, website. They actually use the data that they're using to populate that website to populate their smart label pages. So it's, you know, the more touch points you have, um, the more opportunity for errors in data. So the brands are trying and working with industry, we're trying to eliminate those additional touch points so that it's a very seamless flow and Smart Label gets the benefit of having the most accurate information. Baker acknowledges that Smart Label is not the only option for sharing in-demand information with consumers, but he says that other options have drawbacks that should be considered as well as their benefits. Um, you know, Smart Label, although we believe it's, it's a good solution, there are multiple solutions out there, and retailers and brands are going to choose to use those so that they're um, accessing that conversation with the consumer in multiple ways. So you have your brand websites that uh, some of the companies are going to use. Um, you have your e-commerce pages. So it's what information do you provide while the consumer is actually there on the e-commerce site making the decision about that product. So again, you can share some of that important information, but it's also potentially there's limits to how much you can share based on the software that you use. Um, you know, how many characters can you put on a page, right? So, um, you know, going back to Smart Level a little bit is if you're able to share the most important information for a consumer to make a purchase decision on your e-commerce site, but you also include a link to smartlabel.org or to that page, um, you allow them to get that additional information if they want to go deeper and have a deeper conversation for those consumers that are looking for it. So again, you know, you go back to the fact that you don't limit your resources that you have available to you in order to help share the story that you want to share about your product. And as a retailer, don't limit the resources available to you to help you educate and support your customer as they're trying to learn. Ultimately, Baker says, no matter where you are at your journey with transparency, you should continue to listen to your consumer. Continue to take advantage of resources like the Transparency Imperative Research to learn more about consumers in general. 
and then engage in industry activities that will benefit your relationships with your consumers. And with that, we've reached the end of another episode of Food Navigator USA's Soup to Nuts podcast. I hope you'll join me again next week, and to ensure that you remember, I encourage you to subscribe to us on iTunes. Until then, this is Elizabeth Crawford wishing you a productive and profitable week.